a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution, forgiven me. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins, which we're supposed to be conquering, have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the, the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is, is putting to death the old, the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. This is show two of four, where Pastor Wolfner does all the show prep here on Table Talk Radio. So Jane's treadmill warning on this one. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And the next yeah. two. Without doubt, yes. No doubt. So I'm all. anxious to find out, Pastor, what are we? I mean, this is like so, night before I thought, Christmas kind of I thing. Th- yeah, that's right. I thought, um, here's a super surprise. For the first segment, we'll do email and buzzwords. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, what a good idea. <laughs> and then for segment Two and three A, we will do Ten Commandments in the News. I think I might try to find some religious news stories, although I'm having some trouble. I'm finding some other exciting ones, though. Mm. And then for segment three B to four, we will play the classic game called Bible B. Nice. Good lineup. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, I've got a theological buzzword uh, for you. Am I ready? This, by the way, reminds me of a question I meant to ask you earlier, uh, and that is, did you... uh, Learn anything profound from your uh, friend that you list, sat to next to on the airplane that was a family counselor, and you're telling them all your conscience stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. Anything no, profound he, come out of that? He mostly just said, I, I agree with that. Oh, yeah, yeah I agree with that. Hmm. So Then did he charge he, you? <laughs> Here's my you, bill. <laughs> he says, uh, well, let me see. Your, can, uh, can I see a copy of your insurance card, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my theological... No, he left uh, quickly because we were watching the movie Noah. He and I both wanted to watch the movie Noah, but his TV wasn't working. So I, I, I sat by... I was had a blank seat next to me. What's it called? Empty seat. Empty. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I watched the movie Noah, which is horrible. That movie is absolutely horrible. Have you seen that thing? No, because everyone what said it's horrible. Disastrous it. excuse for a movie. I thought, you know, every I thought all oh, these Christians are just complaining because it's this all this gnostic nonsense, which it is. <laughs> but everything's gnosticism. I know that. Uh, but the movie was just no good either. Yeah. It's like really that's what that's what you're gonna do with this movie? Oh boy. Sorry. Well, anyway, my theological buzzword for you is the word guilt. Now, this is how Theopedia defines guilt. Oh, this would be good. Genuine guilt towards God arises from illumination we receive from the Bible. It appears as a result of a breakdown in man's obedience to God and his utter dependence upon God. Wow. It is a truly genuine guilt when the sinner knows in his innermost heart that he has disobeyed God and that all such disobedience is sin. If a person is gripped with guilt feelings which are a result of sin and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, there is one solution and only one. 
he must turn to God, trusting the redeeming work of Christ, that he must verily uh, um, uh, uh, assured of forgiveness and cleansing. To all such, the Bible says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah one eighteen. Huh. So, uh, you know, one of, this is one of the main differences that I think that we see in uh, talking about all of this is the the, the active versus the passive uh, view of repentance. So that in this, if a person should find himself with such guilt, it says, then he must turn to God, trusting in trusting the redeeming work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that a Lutheran can talk to a person who's just stricken by guilt and say, Christ died for you and has forgiven, of all your, forgiven you of all your sins. Right, in other words, right. he's not waiting that you would trust in him so that he may forgive you or that you could receive forgiveness, but that by announcing the very promises of God, you are forgiven because Christ has died for you, then then uh, faith is bestowed by uh, hearing the word of God, and that, as a result, trusts in the redeeming work of Christ. That's right. But, of course, we have to have universal atonement in order to have that theology. <laughs> I, you know, the, even before you get to that, we can understand that guilt is a result of the work of the Holy Spirit, too. I mean, you can have a guilt, a natural guilt, Man, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's mostly the result of being caught. But the Holy Spirit, uh, as Jesus says, convicts the world of sin so that we realize that true terror over sin is itself a work of the Holy Spirit, even before we get to the work of faith, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. So is that your distinction? Um, I'm not sure if it's yours or if you stole it from someone else. But the distinction between a terrified <laughs> conscience and a troubled conscience? Well, I think I've made it up, but I think probably other people have said it. I just don't read enough to know. <laughs> so, so that a would would you say then a a troubled conscience is the person who knows he got caught? Yeah, that's right. Just kind of but a yeah. What it, so this distinction between a troubled and a terrified conscience goes like this: a troubled conscience is a conscience that knows that it's done something wrong. A terrified conscience is a conscience that knows that the result of that wrongness is the earning of God's wrath. And the gospel comforts terrified conscience. See, the troubled conscience thinks it always looks for a way to justify itself or get a way out of it by its own efforts. It's when the, when we've come to the end of our ourselves and any sort of hope in our own righteousness that then we're ready for the gospel. Yeah, I think that's right. So um, there you go. So what's your theological buzzword? It is the phrase social gospel. <laughs> See that? Social gospel, this is reading from Theopedia. The social gospel refers to the <laughs> emphasis of a... Yes? What did we do for buzzwords before Theopedia? <laughs> I don't know. I, I used to look in the Christian Cyclopedia, but it had pages, and they're hard to turn, you know? <laughs> anyway, there's no control R or alt R, whatever I push. <laughs> Anyway, the sorry. social gospel refers to the emphasis of a primarily Protestant movement in the late 19th century and early 20th century to apply Christian principles to social problems. Being part of the modernism trend with a strong emphasis on social justice, the movement is a rival to the evangelical and fundamentalist Christianity. Members of the movement see it as a return to the beginning of Christianity that is to the message of Jesus. 
In the United States, prior to World War I, the social gospel was the religious wing of the progressive movement, which had the aim of combating injustice, suffering, and poverty in society. In this context, it is seen as having provided the philosophical underpinning for the New Deal. After the war, the movement shifted its focus to civil rights arena and later became outspoken in its opposition to the Vietnam War, etc. Okay, so this is so like where Jesus says that I, I come to set the captives free. We would understand that to be those who are uh, captive in their sin and their the freedom to be in the life of Christ. Um, they would say, no, 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 this is those who are kind of oppressed by the man, <laughs> and yeah, the, the Lord true. comes to, to set them free. Yeah, like that. It's just one of the ways that ideology, remember ideology is that we are all secretly oppressed, and now enlightenment is being able to see the invisible chains. This is just one of the way that that, which is nothing other than Gnosticism, it's the way that that makes its way into the church. All right, so we have just under three minutes for an email here. Okay, I got an email. Don't worry, I got one. Uh, and I got a couple. Oh, yeah, here. This is from Liz, who writes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's yeah, going on. I do. Dear Table Talk Radio hosts, it seems the hosts of Table Talk Radio are confused as to which states allow cousin marriage. Some states which allow cousins to marry are Colorado, New Mexico, <laughs> California, Connecticut, District of Columbia, Massachusetts, New York, Vermont, and some others. Some states where cousins are not allowed to marry are Arkansas, Kentucky, West Virginia, Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and others. Listeners look forward to a remix version of show number 103, wherein the state of Arkansas is accurately replaced by the state of, oh, say, Colorado or New Mexico in the discussion of doubling up with weddings at the family reunions, if that doesn't hit too close to home. See, now, <laughs> do you remember what that's about? I don't exactly remember I, I remember making reference, but I have no idea what we're talking about. But I just want to point out that there's probably a reason those states had to make it a law. <laughs> Not every state has to go. I mean, some things are just understood by natural law. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the repentance that Liz was looking for. Now for something completely different. What does the Bible say about cousin marriage, if anything, given the recent uh, flexibility in the minds of public on the topic of who may marry whom? Perhaps some clarification would be helpful to the listener. Finally, is the, uh, is the little inaccurate reference to Arkansas a result of or a falling away from the Table Talk Radio mission statement Regarding its commitment to mediocrity, Hakotumsval, which means apparently anxiously waiting in Navajo or some other language, Liz. <laughs> so, I mean, if in, if in fact, I mean, allegedly we made this mistake, um, would, would, would that be in any way a falling away from mediocrity or would that just be uh, another, uh, another proof of such mediocrity? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's the key question of this email. Now, what is the most troubling thing to me in this whole thing is that we have a mission statement. <laughs> I, know. I didn't did know that have... either. I know. When did we ever have a mission statement? Because I thought we had a vision. It is the vision of Table Talk Radio <laughs> to pursue radio mediocrity at every opportunity. <laughs> uh, that I, pursuit is Maybe well we begun. should have a mission statement, don't you think? We'll draft it during this break. Okay. Uh, does that mean we have to take a break? Yep. Okay, we'll be right back then. More Table Talk Radio. We're going to answer, I don't know, maybe we'll answer Liz's question after this break. And then we're going to be playing Ten Commandments in the News and the Theological News. If you're listening to Table Talk Radio, don't go
Table Talk Radio. The games are just an excuse. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, before the break, we were reading an email uh, from Liz, and Liz asked this question about uh, what does the Bible say concerning cousin marriage, if anything? So, uh, I think uh, the text to go to for that is Leviticus 18, uh, the first 23 verses where this is outlined, and uh, the discussion of incest, incest is there. Now, from a quick reading of this, it looks like the... Um, it extends to aunts and uncles. So to marry an aunt or an uncle um, is forbidden here in the Levitical law. Um, your father's brother, uh, your that is your aunt, etc. Um, your brother's wife, uh, etc. That, now that's you know, so your stepsister and stuff like this. But I do. It does not. I cannot see that it extends to cousins. So I don't know if someone would want to, Liz would want to read Leviticus 18 uh, for that. I mean, you have, uh, I think, examples of cousin marriage throughout the Old Testament, don't you? Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, who? Let's see. Abraham and his, and Sarah? Are they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's, yeah, that's all I know about it. <laughs> So you you want to send that off to another radio station, Liz, or another radio show? <laughs> All right, Ten Commandments in the news. Uh, yeah, buddy. Why don't you go first on this, Pastor Wolf? All right, here's one from the Jerusalem Post. There's a lot happening over in Jerusalem. Uh, jihadi cleric calls for Muslim fighters to join the fighting in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Quote, our heart yearns to arrive and fight the sons and brothers of the apes and pigs, says a rebel fighter. A new jihadi media outlet called uh, Al-Fawaris uh, released a video calling on the Gazans to endure the military operation, saying that victory looms and that Muslims all over the world support them. According to a report published on Monday by the Miri Middle East Media Research Institute, Jihad and Terrorism Threat Monitor. The video also features jihadi clerk Abu Harith al-Makstidi threatening Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. Do you think he pronounces it that way? I don't the Egyptian think president? So. <laughs> Al-Sisi. That's what it is. A-L-S-I-S-A-I. How would you pronounce that? Uh, you got it. You nailed it. Al-Sisi. Mm-hmm saying his demise is coming soon. Sissy's killing of Muslims in Egypt is part of a Zionist crusader plot against the Gazans, Makdisi says. You won't sit for long in your position because what happened to former Egyptian President Husseini Mubarak and former Egyptian President Anwar Sadat will happen to you as well, he said, in reference to Mubarak stepping down from his presidency, etc., etc. Okay. So this oh, is this is where the uh, Muslims, or as you like to call the Muslims, will uh, uh, Muslim. I would just start calling it Muslim. Okay, <laughs> well, they're 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 pressuring um, uh, the president in, in Egypt to uh, to conform uh, in uh, to the the ways of 
Shira Law, right? So that uh, I mean, th- this is the thing. I, when I was on when I was on Vicarage, I met a a, a guy from Saudi Arabia, cool guy, and uh, he said that the uh, the what are those uh, terrorists called the uh, the Taliban? They were threatening the Saudi Arabia government because the Saudi Arabia, Arabia, Arabia government did not wage war upon America like the like they wanted them to. So here, here, this, I mean, so the way that that oftentimes these uh, Muslim, particularly the terrorist groups, work is that they're going to attack a government unless the government attacks the people they want them to attack. So it's just crazy. Yeah. So um, it's terrorism. You have Update all this. from the Religion of Peace. Here's the theological <laughs> statement: Calling on Muslims to help the struggle. Oh, sorry. Calling on Muslims to help the struggle in Gaza. He said, "If you help them, Allah will help you. If you abandon them, Allah will abandon you. The choice is yours. Because on Judgment Day, they will ask you, did you help the Gazans or the men of Al Sham or not?" Uh, yeah, there it is. So, I mean, th- this is this is the oldest trick in the book, isn't it? So you want people to go fight for your cause and uh so you say god will somehow honor you if you do this i mean this is the whole thing jihad is isn't it that if you if you die in in jihad then you'll uh go to heaven with with, you know 80 virgins or whatever it is so that you can attach some kind of a spiritual promise um to this fighting in a war which is um which is a ladder, by the way. We're not playing which ladder, but if we were playing which ladder, we would identify that as the ladder of... <laughs> get this. <laughs> the ladder of moralism. <laughs> or immoralism. Uh, in that you're doing something to, to be rewarded in heaven, although the thing that you're doing here is particularly immoral. <laughs> Murder your way to heaven. Yeah, so anyway, obviously Disaster. we're dealing here with the fifth commandment. Should yes. not murder. Yeah. Um, also, you're dealing with the uh, first and uh, second commandment in that you're um, believing in another god and saying that the god that exists is uh, Allah, that is the Muslim's god, and uh, that's uh, that's false. So that's the breaking of the first and second commandment. Um, in in the, talking about the the. Egyptian president and governments, you're dealing with the, uh, the you mean fourth all commandment. Sissy? Yeah, all sissy. <laughs> dealing with the fourth commandment. Um, Abdel Fattah al Sisi. So you have one, two, four, five. Uh, I think I think that's all I got. What else do you have, Dad? Yeah, war destroys possessions, seventh commandment. Uh, that's that's a there's stretch. discontent. No, it's true. War ruins family, so that's sixth commandment. <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> this guy says, Mach says, cows kill are killed in war. That's ninth and ninth commandments. <laughs> well done, well done. Our brothers in Gaza know that you are fighting an enemy following Satan's path, whereas you are fighting in the way of Allah the Merciful. Oh my goodness. Yeesh. So how, with two different it, definitions of mercy. How's enrollment going to your uh, Israel trip next year? <laughs> That's right. Speaking of that, I got another one. I got another, uh, hey, who wants to come to Israel news story. FAA bans flight on U.S. to Israel by twenty for 24 hours. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I think the... 
prices ought to be going down, don't you think? That's right. Hey. That's what your dad said. That's right. We should get a deal on the hotel in Israel. <laughs> a deal on a couple extra security guards to walk around with us. Yeah, just take the money you saved, and there you go. Uh, we need to, what is it, Ezekiel 34, you are a watchman in Israel. That's what we need to hire when we go over there. <laughs> the FAA on Tuesday, I've got another news story, you ready? Sure. Said it told U.S. carriers they were prohibited from flying into Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv for 24 hours, citing the, quote, potentially hazardous situation created by the armed conflict in Israel and Gaza. The FAA later extended the ban by another 24 hours on Wednesday evening. The decision to halt flights to Israel following the downing last week of Malaysia Airlines over Ukraine with nearly 300 people aboard. We, uh, by the way, heard about that grounding when we landed in on, uh, Antananarivo Airport getting ready to fly to Paris. That was an exciting time to hear that news. I, I, well, yeah. Did you, what, about the grounding? Yeah, yeah. No, th- no, about the uh, f- plane that was shot. Right, down. yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Germany's Lufthansa on Wednesday suspended flights to and from Tel Aviv for an additional 24 hours. The decision also applies to the German wings, Austrian Airlines, Swiss, and Brussels Airlines. Quote, at the present time, no adequate authoritative new information is available that would justify a resumption of flights. In close coordination with the responsible authorities, Lufthansa is continually evaluating the safety situation for its total flight network, etc. You know, uh, right before that, or maybe it was even after that grounding, um, the former mayor of New York City, Bloomberg, flew to Israel, to Tel Aviv, uh, on one of the other airlines, the non-U.S.-based ones, uh, just to prove, hey, it's safe to come here. (laughs) That's right. Didn't uh, Secretary Kate, Secretary of Kate, (laughs) Secretary of State, what is his name, John Kerry, go over to Egypt? Didn't he fly over there? Yeah, he did. And he got wanded down? That's also in the news. Good. I huh. mean, granted, he gets to fly on, what, Air Force Two or whatever it is, and uh, probably has some uh, U.S. fighter uh, accompaniment escorting the trip. But, you know, you know, same thing, risk taker. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Kind of a thing. Putting it all in line. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, what do you have here? Um, you're dealing with commerce in the... Uh, the airline industry, <laughs> you have a seventh commandment uh, thing there. Um, <laughs> what else do you have? I mean, I, I mean, because of killing, I guess, is the reason they, they're grounding flights. Yeah. So you're going to have the fifth commandment. Yeah, that's true. Um, these are, these are uh, killings or war that's uh, for one reason or another induced because of uh, various religious views. I don't know. Is that true? I mean, some, to good. some extent, it's probably more about land and things like that. But. Uh, so we have uh, first and second commandment again there. So I have one, two, five, and seven. What else do you have? That's probably all. That's just. I just wanted to use that segment to plug our trip to Israel. <laughs> and effective it was. Oh, indeed. When uh, when we get back from this commercial break, we're going to be. Uh, do we have another more round? of this? More yeah, of this? Oh, yeah, man. Okay. I got tons of stuff to well, talk about. You're the one that's picking the show, so we're going to do some more Tink Man's in the news, and then at some point in the show, we're going to play Bible Bee. Oh, that's yeah, all coming up on Table Talk Radio. If you have something to say to us, you can send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org, or you can give us a call, 1 800 385 left. We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio right after this. 
Table Talk Radio. The disaster continues. And we're back here on Table Talk Radio. Hey, that was fast. Here we are. So what's next, Pastor Wolf Mueller? Uh, purged by ISIS, Iraq's Christians appeal to world for help. We're still playing Ten Commandments in the news. Oh, okay. This article says, Iraqi Christians are begging for help from the civilized world after Mosul, the northern city where they have lived and worshipped for 2,000 years. Maybe more like 1,970 Hmm. was purged of non-Muslims by ISIS, the jihadist terror group that claims to have established its own nation in the region. Did ISIS on purpose take the Egyptian god name? Goddess name? Uh, Assyrian Christians, including Chaldean and Syriac Catholics, Syriac Orthodox, and followers of the Assyrian Church of the East have roots in present-day Iraq, Turkey, Syria, and Iran that stretch back to the time of Jesus. While they have long been a minority and have faced persecution in the past, they had never been driven completely from their homes, as has happened in Mosul under the under ISIS. When the terror group ordered all to convert to Islam, pay a religious tax, or face execution, many chose another option, flight. By 12 noon on Saturday, the Christians, all of them, left the city. Yusuf Habash, an Iraqi-born bishop the Syriac Catholic Church, told FoxNews.com. So ISIS is the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. So it was just a poor coincidence that the acronym spelled out the Roman goddess. But uh, in the, <laughs> this is the thing that they're doing. So, so they, they go into the, this country, Iraq and Syria, and they institute what is historically known as Sharia law. And that states that you have, I, what, three, three choices? You could either become a Muslim if you're not. You can convert. Muslim. Yeah. Muslim. <laughs> you can pay a, pay a tax, which is something like uh, a few hundred dollars a month or something like that. So convert, pay a special tax, or your third option is to die. And <laughs> those are your three options. Now, I, I think it's a little ironic that this is... Uh, so new in the in the media because this is the historic view of Sharia law in the Islam religion. I mean, yeah. I mean, this isn't. I mean, I guess it's it is newsworthy. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, this is what they do. This is what <laughs> the Muslim mo is: is to to take over the the governmental rule because there is no difference between church and state in Muslim theology. Yeah, so you right. rule by the by the sword. I mean, yeah, and it and it's the religion of peace. And how could you possibly have peace with Christians running around? Well, I'll tell you. So I, you got to kill them. The, the 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 average American is having to. I mean, they're not really, but after nine eleven happened, and we started accusing, oh, this is what Islam does. These are Muslims. There is this huge backlash to say, oh, we're painting with a broad brush that uh, there's so many innocent Muslims in this country and they're being persecuted for you accusing their religion of doing such a heinous thing like driving planes into a building. Yeah, now, right. I'll admit that there's, there's plenty of Muslims in America that would never do something like that. 
Yes. But I think the question isn't what would most Muslims do. The question is what does Islam teach? <laughs> right. And uh, a, a, just a plain reading of the Quran, I think, would show that that there's plenty to to say uh, that uh, jihad is is a holy war. It's it's a yeah. battling for for Allah. That you got that the, even just the existence of something like jihad yeah. should tell you all that you need to know. Right. Right. So, uh, so when that happened, there there became like this opposite reaction that what we would expect. Once once Muslims drove planes into our buildings, you would think that everybody would finally get the picture. Okay, now we know what mu- Muslims are all about. But the opposite happened in America. We thought, oh, we're we're being too mean to the innocent Muslims here, and so now we're we're seeing what Muslims look like in other countries. And it's hard to kind of sweep this under under the rug of well, they're just the extremists, they're the terrorist groups, because it's it's happening a little bit too often. It's a little bit too frequent to say this is just yep. a fringe, uh, a fringe group. Um, and and how I mean, you you have to just completely leave the the history books dusty to think that Muslims are all that innocent, right? <sighs> was that a harangue? It was okay. Well so done. commandments. What was the story again? Uh, this is their, uh, they kicked all the Christians out of Mosul. Oh yeah. So, uh, so here these Christians are decrying, uh, Amer- uh, world, please help us. Um, so boy, this should, this should make us at least just pause and think what it would be like to be a Christian in Iraq right now to, uh, to, to, to think, do I, do I want to go to church enough? So do I want to go to church so badly today that I might die for it. <laughs> this kind mm-hmm. of a thing. I mean, how many times have you woken up in America thought, am I, am I, am I going to have to give my life to go to church today? Nunts. Nunts is right. But uh, the Christians in Iraq are, are facing this very question. And so they're crying out for the world, world for help. Okay, obviously, again, we have first commandment and second commandment. And in this case, third commandment. Um, I don't know if your if your article explicitly mentioned going to church, but this has um, been going on in the news at least. Yep. We have a fourth commandment in that uh, this Islamic state is is claiming the the uh, the the authority, the realm of the of of this world, the government. Uh, fifth commandment, and there's the threat of death. The s- seventh commandment, no. Um, yeah, you're being taxed. Yeah, being taxed. Yeah, they have to pay money. It's the eighth commandment. I don't know. If there's really a court hearing to to see if you. I mean, I think it's just it's just done. Yeah. So I'm gonna have first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and seventh. Sounds good to me. All right. Sounds bad to me, I suppose. But. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, what's next, Pastor Wolf Miller? Oh, here I found it. Look, there's a sixth commandment line here. Dr. Salam al-Kafahaji, member of the Iraq High Commission for Human Rights, reportedly took a local news agency that ISIS militants forced their way into a home of a Syrian family in Mosul demanding the jizya, or poll tax, when a family said they could not produce the money, three jihadist militants raped the mother and daughter in front of the husband Ugh. and father, who later committed suicide. Lord have mercy. There's your sixth commandment. That's, I mean, this is awful. I mean, this, we, we need to be praying for these folks. Uh, this is tough. Um, what a disaster! Yeah. Ugh. So yeah. So there's a six, there's a sixth commandment right there. And you have to know that's what's going to happen. I mean, every cult is in one way a, a kind of a excused breaking of the sixth commandment. So, mm-hmm. 
Oh, well. All right. Next, uh, the next thing we're going to do here uh, is the play the game that I like to call the Bible Bee. <laughs> okay. And this is the uh, way we do that is we give each other Bible passages, and we have to guess what book of the Bible they come from. And then we talk about the Slower Gospel and give out points. That's how it goes. That'll take us to the end. Wow. Okay. Well, I suppose I should probably um, have done some preparation, but I got something here. Okay, you ready? Yep. This is uh, your round one, three verses. Now send me a skilled man to work in gold and silver, brass and iron, in, in purple, crimson, and violet fibri- fabrics. And who knows how to make engravings to work with the skilled men whom I have in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David my father provided. Send me also Aha. cedar, cypress, uh, timber from Lebanon, for I know that your servants know how to cut timber of Lebanon, and indeed my servants will work with your servants to prepare timber in abundance for me, for the house which I am about to build will be great and wonderful. Hey, I know what this book of the Bible is. It's the letter of King Solomon to the king of Lebanon. King Solomon the Wise. That's my answer. It's probably recorded by one of the prophets, though, <laughs> uh, in a book like... Let me think here. Uh, I, can't, I, can, I hardly remember where David dies and where Solomon takes over. I think it's probably the middle of... Um, it's probably towards the beginning of maybe a fir- like First Kings. Uh, well, I, I can't remember if so. Solomon is in Second Samuel or First Kings. Uh, but you know what? You know what? You know what? A, here's a tricky thing because First and Second Chronicles also recounts this, and they're specifically interested in the building of the temple. They're kind of the chronicler, really like the temple stuff. So I'm going to go with the book First Chronicles. <laughs> oh man, oh, that's too bad. You got to be kidding. Yeah. yeah, that is too bad. Yeah. Well, actually, what, what you was were, it? What you're looking for was Second Chronicles. <laughs> oh, you're kidding! First Chronicles covers the life of David, then, huh? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So this is Second Chronicles two, it's... and you're right. This is where uh, Solomon um, is going to. Build a temple and a palace, and uh, he sends off for 70,000 men to carry these loads of uh, stone and whatnot to prepare for the building of the temple. See, you know this, uh, this break between the First and Second Chronicles? I need to figure out when that is, what the breaks are in the story between First and Second Chronicles. So it must be that David, First Chronicles covers the life of David. And Second Chronicles goes from Solomon and does the story of the South. So this is the interesting thing that Chronicles only does Judah. It doesn't do Israel, the northern kingdom, all the way through to the destruction. So you're saying you need to do someday. that so that you'll be better equipped for Bible B? Is that what you're saying? That's why That's why I study the scriptures. <laughs> you be study the scriptures to be better at Bible B. More Table Talk Radio points. That's what you need. <laughs> okay, well, it's, it's time for another commercial break. We're going to play some more Bible B after this break. One more segment of Table Talk Radio after this. And we're still looking for emails and your voicemails, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, or send us uh, or call us at 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. You can also visit our website at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. More Bible B right after this. I'll be long. 
really classy up here. Table Talk Radio will be right back. So the score so far for Bible is zero to zero. But don't worry, it's my first round here for Bible B, so I'm going to cash in the points here. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Okay, give me a give me a Bible verse passage, uh, pa- Pastor Wolfie. You ready? Ready. It is this. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Okay, I think that's going to be from the Psalms, but I'm not 100% sure. So I'm going to ask for one more reading of that same passage so I can nail it okay. down. Okay, praise the Lord. Blessed the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and righteousness and his righteousness endures forever. Yeah, that's... I think that's in the Psalms, so uh, I'm going to go with the Psalms. You are right. Woo! Uh, Psalm 112. 112, okay. Is what that is. All right, so law and or gospel. Oh, you forgot to say law or gospel for the last one. It was it was gospel. Okay. Uh, <laughs> building of the temple, that's all gospel. It's all sacramental stuff. That's, yeah. So Psalm 112, um, so this is going to be, this is gospel, because, I mean, so you have uh, the wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. I mean, the the wealth and the riches that are in his house um, are not that he has all, you know, fine china and all kinds of gold and things to show off to his friends. Um, but it is the, the Lord's riches. Um, and so this is why we can praise the Lord. This is the praise of the Lord from the verse 1, that his righteousness, the Lord's righteousness, will endure forever. It's not a righteousness that, that comes and goes. It's not a righteousness that lasts only for a while. But it's, it's his righteousness that endures forever. So when then our righteousness fails, as it does every day, then we can fall back then on the righteousness of God, which he gives to us in his son, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to go with gospel on that. There you go. Okay. That's, that's by the way, an important thing. When we read the word righteousness, um, in the Old Testament, especially New Testament as well, but we read that word, we got to think not works righteousness, but the righteousness of faith. That's got to be our first thought. And you've done well to say that. Thank you. Yep. Okay, your one-verse clue in this round two of Bible B is this. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever. Aha! Aha-ha-ha! Ha-ha-ha-ha! 
right. So this is a, uh, talking about uh, whoever wrote this is talking about someone who was separated from someone for a while in order that he would be returned to them forever. I know that because that's, that's what the a very, very good deduction. Now, Thank you. Now, this happens to be almost an exact description of what happens to a man called, oh, Philemon. No, wait a minute. Onesimus, who was slave to a man called Philemon. Do I get that right? Who, which was the slave and which was the not slave? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Philemon was the... <laughs> Philemon was the... I, I, I get it confused. Anyway, one of the guys was a slave and the other was a not slave. And one was named... I think it was Onesimus was the slave. I should know this for sure. And so he escaped his, uh, his, his master, Philemon... And then he uh, he ran away, and then he became a Christian, and he comes into contact with the Apostle Paul, and Paul uh, uh, knows him and works with him, etc. And then he says, you know what you need to do? You need to go back to your master, who's also a Christian, named Philemon. And so Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon to restore that arrangement, and he sends with him the letter of Philemon. And I, I, so I am going to guess... What is Philemon? You're going to guess what is Philemon? Yes. Oh, like we're playing Jeopardy? <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, Philemon is correct, and you were also yeah, correct that buddy. Onesimus is the slave, and Philemon is the master. Yep. Yeah. You I'm got right it. About it. 200 points. Oh, am I? Am. So that Ooh, was... 200 points. That was verse... <laughs> What verse was that that I just read? Oh, verse... I'm going to guess chapter 1. <laughs> that doesn't count. Verse 15. For perhaps he was, for this reason, separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever. Verse 16. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Okay. Pretty so, good. Law or gospel? Uh, probably Law. In this sense, is that it's telling him what to do. Um, it is a course of sanctified obedience. Now they're Christians, and so they can receive with joy uh, th this thing. They can overlook the sin committed against them, etc. So, so Paul is asking for forgiveness in the in the way that also Onesimus has been, or Philemon has been forgiven of all of his sins. So, okay, yeah. Alrighty, I'm ready for my next, uh, my verse one round. Okay. So John, wait a minute, how many points do I have? I have... Zero, oh wait. I got that so first one, so that's 100 it. points for round one, and then I got 200 yeah. for Law Gospel, right? Yeah, yeah, that's so right, 300. so you have 300 points. And you... I happen to have 400 points. That's right, okay. Just want to make sure that was... Okay, here it is, one verse. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That could be... Okay, it's going to be in uh, in the Gospels, probably. <laughs> uh, maybe Acts. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Let's not okay. overthink this. So give me... <laughs> okay. Well, okay, so it's, it's likely going to be in... Um, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, um, and I and I know. I mean, I, I'm sh I'm sure it happens in Mark and Luke just as well, but I'm thinking I particularly about 
Jesus talking about John the Baptist in the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, so I could guess any of the Gospels, but I'm going to fall down on Matthew just because I can think of the particular reference of that. So what is uh, Matthew? Why, do we, why are we asking questions? All right, what is it? Mark, chapter 1, verse 4. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That is gospel, but there's a difference in the the baptism that that John gives. Um, in that, uh, when 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 Jesus then um, institutes baptism in Matthew twenty eight, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, you have with it the promise of the Holy Spirit, as we hear from Peter in Acts chapter two. Um, so that uh, that that baptism that Jesus institutes is is um, uh, for the forgiveness of sins too, um, as, as, uh, how, what am I trying to say here, pastor? That, that, sure. that, uh, <laughs> that there was a, a ritual washing for Jews, uh, it, as a sign of repentance, but now Jesus takes this ritual washing for repentance and makes it then the, uh, the delivery of forgiveness, uh, as a means of grace in the new Testament. Um, that they rep- repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, "Right, yeah, right." There was a baptism bound up to John and his particular office of preparing the way. And once right. Jesus has come, that baptism gives way to the baptism of the new covenant, which not only gives the forgiveness of sins, but also gives the Holy Spirit and uh, and incorporates us into the Church of the New Testament. So. Okay, lightning round here. Ready. Your one word clue is lid. Lid, that's so easy. That appears in the book of Job. <laughs> False. Uh, ah. Second Kings. But oh. Josadiah the priest took a chest and bore a hole in its lid and put oh, it beside yeah, the altar on the right side as one comes to the house of the Lord. I remember that. That was a collection. <laughs> All right. How much time we got? We have uh, just about a minute here. Okay. That's law, by the way, mm. collecting money for the building of the temple. Uh, it's a stewardship campaign. All right, so the score is three hundred to four hundred. I need to I need to make it in order to pull out the win here. All right, so we one word clue. Seconds. Your one word clue is heresy. <laughs> uh, that's going to be in one of the Pauline epistles. Does it only appear once? Yes. Okay. And only in the King James. Doesn't even appear in other versions. So uh, this is going to be a false teaching. Maybe um maybe the King James uses the word heresy in the book of Galatians. Oh. Acts twenty four verse fourteen. Oh really? Where Paul says when he's being trialed, tried. But this I confess unto thee that after the way which they mm-hmm. call heresy. So worship I the God of my fathers. So the the only instance of the word heresy is applied to the Christians. Yes. (laughs) Boy, that's something. All right. Well, congratulations, Pastor Wolfmiller. You won 400 to 300. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the guilt I feel after beating you at Bible. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. We warned you, Jane. <laughs>